0: Hi everybody! Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: flamey Hotman! My name is Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimgard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimgard role-playing game, and I had never watched Avatar until now if you've been following along with us then a very very special thank you to everybody listening because after long last we have arrived at the season three finale of avatar the last airbender today we are going over episodes 18 through 21 the four-part finale sozin's comet it's been a long road amanda it really has been
0: (laughs) it has been been like two-thirds of our year this year (laughs)
1: yeah and we were just talking about right before we started recording how it it has gone by very very quickly but also it's amazing how much time really has passed so Mm -hmm. for those people who have been sticking around who have watched since the very first step or listened rather since the very first episode you know a special thank you to all of you
0: thank you all
1: the episode stats on the episodes we're going to cover, we have four of them, so I suppose I might as well just rattle through the names, as, as yeah. is our our habit before we get on to what I'm sure is probably a mountain of fun facts about these episodes. <laughs> um, beginning with uh, episode 18, The Phoenix King. It's written by Michael Dante DiMartino, of course, the show creator returning back for the final episodes. Uh, it's directed by Ethan Spaulding animated by jm animation and the episode aired july 19th 2008 now all of these uh aired on the same day did they not
2: mm-hmm.
1: got so so they they all air they all aired july 19th uh the imdb rating of the phoenix king is nine out of ten
2: mm-hmm.
1: i've been very i've been very curious like the finale is it going to be a 10 out of 10 is imdb that daring we shall see
2: (laughs) we shall see uh
1: episode 19 the old masters which is part two of the four-parter it is written by Aaron Ihaj. It's directed by Giancarlo Volpi. Oh, I'm be so sad when we <laughs> get to the last episode
2: mm-hmm. with him.
1: It's animated beautifully by Moy Animation. I've been complimenting them the entire time. And I, I always stress, Jame Animation and Moi Animation have been doing seamlessly good work. You can't even tell the episodes when it's one or the other studio apart from each other, really, in my opinion. Mm-hmm they just do phenomenal work it's been a joy to have them here for season three um and the imdb rating of the old masters is 9.5 out of 10
2: mm-hmm. climbing Pretty, yeah <laughs>
1: uh episodes 20 into the inferno and episode 21 avatar ang they are written by michael dante Martino and brian koniettko so the two show creators collaborating on the last two, the, the the actual finale, like the last two.
0: It's such beautiful, like poetry. It rhymes because they started the show writing the first two episodes and mm-hmm. then they end the show writing the last two episodes. It's Like so beautiful.
2: I, and I love powerful. that.
1: Well, and, you know, because you, you, when you make something, you have the originators, the creators of the show, and it's handed to a lot of people along the way. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of different writers. I feel like this is so fitting to bring this up because this is the last time we'll be reading over episode stats. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, uh, a lot of people have had their hands in this. You no know, names that we have come to know and love, like Giancarlo Volpe, Aaron and Elizabeth E. Hodge you know, many others who we've, who we've talked about, you know, you, you entrust the show to them. And of course they're working with you, but you know, there's a lot of people you're inviting to eat at your table, so to speak, cook in your kitchen. Um, and so it it is beautiful. As you say, it is a beautiful poetry for them to come in and cap off the show, writing, writing it out the way they wanted it to be, which is only just considering that they are the ones responsible for everything it really is Mm -hmm. wonderful uh it is directed by Joaquim dos santos both of these they're both directed by Joaquim dos santos animated by jm animation which is kind of fitting also that like (laughs) the animation studio that's been around since the first season Mm -hmm. is doing the final two which
0: is why in my opinion jm animation is Like, at least for Avatar, um, because it's different animators for Korra, but it is like the definitive Avatar animation studio. That's why I think that they like perfected the character designs and, you know, the beautiful animation fight scenes, the backgrounds. Like, they just, they are Mm -hmm. the animation studio, in my opinion. So I love that they, again, (laughs) they started the show because I'm pretty sure the first two were JM animation, the first two episodes of the show, and then they ended it. And it's just, it's again, beautiful.
1: It is beautiful um and the imdb ratings for these two episodes are for the uh, part three of the four-parter into the inferno 9.8 out of 10 and for the final the fourth of the four-parter avatar Aang" 9.9 9 out of 10.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and amazing i'm i'm like a thousand percent sure that when i looked last um and i might have mentioned this when we first started but Um, in terms of just overall show rating, Avatar is top 10 shows of all time on IMDb in terms of just ratings. And I'm pretty sure that this almost perfect 9.9 out of 10 episode, which is the last episode of the show, Mm -hmm. that never happens, where the last episode is the most highly rated, especially nowadays. Um, Like, I think that that's a big part of why it is in the top 10 um, highest rated shows of all time. Um, And it just yeah
1: it's amazing this this is back in the days i hot take here maybe but this is back in the days when they knew how to conclude a series there was Mm -hmm. no like oh let's leave it on a cliffhanger or oh, let's make it kind of vague so everyone just wonders what happens no like they also don't like they don't hold back this is an all out like spectacular Mm -hmm. in the very ending and i mean I, I know that for people who have watched the show before you know you know what we're talking about if you haven't watched this if you're just like oh i think i'll check out this this podcast here and you're watching this episode don't just pause this go watch yeah. the entire series and then come back and we'll talk to you in a minute yeah,
2: right.
1: <laughs> and for and there are people who are following along episode by episode they watch the episodes that we're going to talk about and then they listen to the podcast you guys know what i'm talking about like mm-hmm. it is a, a blowout at the end of the series here so beautiful that to see such high ratings for the uh for the finale well deserved so take us away with our final round of fun facts amanda
0: oh boy we got quite a few i'm so excited um the finale susan's comet pulled an average of 5.6 million total viewers and achieved the highest avatar ratings ever with kids 11 through 6 or sorry 6 through 11 (laughs) flipped it um in teens so this is like the finale was the highest viewing average for the entire show, which makes sense. But again, that doesn't usually well, I guess maybe for major things that happens nowadays, but like especially for kids shows like, you know, they don't usually care about high numbers or anything like that, especially on Nickelodeon. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that was a crazy amount. And I was there, my sisters and I. Were there the day that this, or I guess the night that this uh, finale aired, and I remember that night so vividly. My mom made us spaghetti. We were all so hyped. We were like sitting on the couch, just waiting for the <laughs> countdown of the comet to end. We
1: we're like Here you're, we all, go. you're all carved, you're all carb loaded on pasta, just bouncing yes. up and down in your seats.
0: Yes, and we were so excited. And I, I swear, I, and I was. Oh God, I think to 10 or maybe I was 11 because my birthday would have passed by this point. So I was 11 years old and I was full on sobbing by the end. Like I was so invested and so just in love with the finale and these characters and just the show in general. And I, so I can say I was there when the show ended And it was a moment. Like, it was one of those, like, core memories.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And, you know, also, uh, speaking about the numbers that are quoted in this final, final, uh, um, or this fun fact, you know... Mm -hmm it's really funny that if we're looking at these numbers and you know you look at you look at older series and stuff and i think it's just because you know records for things are constantly being updated with bigger and higher things and with streaming video these days you might think it's easier to be like oh gosh yeah well you know i wonder what my favorite show pulled like the day that it was i mean just to give some examples I, i got kind of curious about this as you were talking like uh sozin's comet you just said it pulled in 5.6 million total viewers i thought i would just pull and be like what about like a really a really popular disney plus series well one that Mm -hmm. they bragged that it pulled more viewers than even the mandalorians season two finale pulled Uh, Was Book of Boba Fett Uh, that its finale pulled such a high number, even higher than the Mandalorian? And I mean, I could say the Mandalorian because it's super popular, but they bragged Mm -hmm. the Book of Boba Fett pulled more. They pulled 1.5 million. Like,
0: oh wow, wow,
1: (laughs) yizawi! Like that's so (laughs) many.
0: And we know that the only reason that it pulled even that amount is because of the previous two episodes with the Mandalorian.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Now, I mean there yeah. are there are shows, but also for perspective, uh like the finale of Game of Thrones um had the had, had the biggest audience ever and it showed something it was something like what was it, like 20, 20, million. 20 million people. <laughs> but let's bear in mind this is a kid's show on Nickelodeon.
0: On Nickelodeon, right.
1: In two thousand and eight, <laughs> for- and they pulled in like more than a quarter of what game of thrones pulls in and more than like disney plus's more more popular series finale is like this is awesome numbers
0: yeah it was i mean it had to have been because like i said um previously they were building up to this finale for an entire week where you could not watch a single thing on Nickelodeon without being reminded of Countdown to the Comet, sozen's Comet finale. Like it was everywhere. It was the biggest freaking deal and that's why we were so hyped when it finally came and it was, yeah, it was awesome. So I was one of those 5.6 billion, or not billion, million kids watching. Maybe we
1: could skew the statistic a little bit. Is it in a wiki? Could we change it and be like 5.6 billion people watch this?
0: Billion people. Why have millions <laughs> of evil.
1: viewers when we can have billions? <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, all right, so moving on. So our second fun fact is that the Old Masters episode title is a reference to the Order of the White Lotus members, the past avatars who advised Aang, and finally the Lion Turtle, who is the oldest master of all. And actually, this dawned on me as I was watching, because obviously you think immediately Old Masters, like the Order of the White Lotus. But then I was like, but also Aang is getting counsel from his previous lives, like the previous avatars before him. So that's kind of like, you know, master mentor figures. And then, yeah, the lion turtle, who is the oldest living thing in the world, um, is like yeah he's giving ang advice about how to basically energy bend so it's like yeah it all comes together it's a great you know, great little subtle title
1: i when i was watching and i was bearing the it's i always try to bear the title in mind because i know it, some of them are more obvious mm-hmm. what they're referring to the headband um but some titles <laughs> are kind of titles are kind of vague where they're you know have double meanings or things like that so it's like the old masters and i actually took it to mean the uh previous avatars and i actually didn't think of anything mm-hmm. else at all i just the old masters as i was watching it i was like oh yeah sure all the old masters the previous avatars so that this Mm -hmm. fun fact actually kind of illuminates a little for me not just about the lion turtle but like oh yeah that's true the order the order of the white lotus are old masters aren't they
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. so thank you for that yeah you're welcome Um, our third fun fact is that Joaquin DeSantos won the best directing in an animated television production caption in the 2008 Annie Awards for his directing in the Into the Inferno episode. Wow. So we love that for him. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. <laughs> Very
0: well deserved. Yeah. Because um, honestly, and this, again, might be a hot take for the finale, but Into the Inferno actually is my favorite out of the out of the four episodes. Like if you're breaking really? them up yeah like i know a lot of people would say avatar ang the final episode but actually i like into the inferno even more
2: so so
1: do me a favor and remind me because don't forget i watched them all in one big movie so i kind of forget where each episode ends and begins where where in the four-parter does into the inferno begin
0: and end so it starts with the um, attack on the airships and ang's first Like, before he starts, loot, like, I guess the beginning of Aang and Ozai's fight. It's the first, Um,
1: okay, right, right, I got it.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Zuko and Azula's Agni Kai, and then it ends with Zuko getting, you know, shot full of lightning. And then Katara is in the second, or the, you know, the final part, her versus Azula. Right. so yeah, you've got just some of the best action in the entire series is in this one episode. So that's that's a big part of why. I just think it's so amazingly done and directed. So I'm really glad that Joaquin um, won the award, the Annie yeah. Award. Um, Cause yeah, I, it's it's probably my favorite episode of the four, honestly. Our fourth fun fact is though not formally credited in the episode, you're going to love this one. Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitsko, the creators of the show, provided their respective voices for Quinn Lee in The Airship Engineer Making Small Talk on the Airship. Wait, what? Yeah. I can't believe the captain remembered it was my birthday. Oh my gosh. We were that just talking them. about that while we were watching it. I know. That's why I knew you'd like it. He <laughs> <You> really <laughs> does care yeah that's such a great i didn't i actually didn't know that until just looking it up so like i'm surprised honestly that i didn't know that but that makes it so much better that's amazing that That
1: was what that was like the funniest moment for me of the entire finale like i laughed so hard at that part
0: the awkward small talk yeah <laughs> these guys guys so excited for his birthday
1: well especially because sokka like talks them down there with like this like, on the intercom where he's just like we're here to celebrate a special birthday and then the one guy's his, like his
0: wang fire voice
1: <laughs> yes and then the one guard in the back is just like the captain remembered my birthday i can't believe it he really does care
0: Then they all get thrown into the ocean Oh goodness, it's That's so funny! So
1: funny! Wow!
0: Again, just little scenes that humanize the fire. You know, the Firebenders, the Fire Nation soldiers. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, our fifth fun fact: we have seven of these guys. So, hope to bear with me. Um, the fifth fun fact is that the music and sound design for Zuko and Azula's Agni Kai drew inspiration from Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner, particularly in pairing the slow tempo and melancholy mood with an intense action scene. I have not seen either of those movies but i figured you might have seen them so like
1: (laughs) i'm familiar with ghost in the shell i saw it a very long time ago uh so i do recall what they're talking about but blade runner in particular i have seen i've seen both the old and the the newer uh blade runner um and yeah like i love that actually and in fact um when we do eventually talk about it um i do want i am going to mention again this very point you're bringing up i love the music during the agni kai i love that they didn't mm-hmm. go for this pulse pounding action music this bombastic, yeah, bombastic. yes Thanks.
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> they they went instead for this very emotional and melancholy theme because it's such a tragedy everything that we're seeing and and i'll revisit mm-hmm. it then but no i love that too i absolutely love that
0: yeah. Um, our sixth fun fact is that the series music editors and composers Jeremy Zuckerman and Benjamin Wynn were nominated for a Golden Reel Award for Best Sound Editing in Television Animation for their work in Sozin's Comet. Again, totally, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with the previous fun fact, but like, yeah, they the music. Um, fun fact, another fun fact on top of this is that they actually got a full, I believe it was like a 35, 40 piece orchestra for this for this whole finale. So all the music is brand new, recorded from a 40-piece orchestra, and it sounds phenomenal. It is so good. I don't know if you listened to the the credits, but that is my favorite piece of Avatar music, the credits or the music that plays over the credits for Sozin's Comet, because it is like a 40-piece orchestra rendition of the Avatar theme. And it sounds so good! Oh my god, it it's, gets me so pumped.
1: It's breathtaking. Um, I actually had heard the orchestral version of it from the sozen's comet uh actually when i was looking up avatar music to play with like social media posts there's all <laughs> kinds of renditions because they're like oh from the opening credits or like the end credit music mm-hmm. or different themes in the show and one of them was the orchestral version from sozen's comet and so i listened to it and i was like wow this is amazing mm-hmm. does this show up in the show somewhere and so at the ending <laughs> when it was played I, I, the ending credits i was yeah, uh, it, it is breathtakingly good.
0: <laughs> it is so good. So good job, Jeremy Zuckerman, Benjamin Wynn, and the track team that worked on the music and the um, sound effects for the show. Fantastic work. Mm-hmm. And then, our this is kind of a, a fun one to end on, but our seventh fun fact is during a panel at San Diego Comic Con 2008, it was revealed that a mid credit sequence where Zuko found his mother was storyboarded but did not make it to production due to a request by Michael Dante DiMartino. They done teased
2: (laughs) Wow.
0: That is really the only thing that is left unanswered. Again, I've I've made it very clear that they don't answer, um, you know, what happened to Zuko's mom in the show. But the fact that there even was a storyboard at one point of Zuko finding his mom and that it was just not ultimately cut. Like, I want to see that. I want to see how they did that because the actual story is so like, deep and complex and like i don't know how they could have done it in a mid-credit scene basically you know in a couple minutes uh um, but yeah it's very fascinating and i didn't know that they had done that so thought that you'd find that interesting
1: i want to see if i can find the storyboard on it now <laughs>
0: i was like what are you looking at
1: what is this from <laughs> oh my gosh no no this is okay this is so funny though i have to tell you apparently they did a spoof at a comic-con of you know the mm-hmm. final scene of harry potter where um, there's like uh draco and his son Mm-hmm. They were doing like a Zuko and May and like their son or, or whatever, or like their daughter, like being introduced to Aang and everybody like it was the end of Harry Potter. <laughs> oh
2: no, my gosh. No, you're
1: right. It is it is buried. I thought that maybe a quick Google search would pull up something. Leaked. Tweeted in the meantime. Nothing at all. But I mean, it was, no, it was revealed no. in 2008 at Comic-Con. I wondered if by now it had surfaced.
0: Well, it doesn't say that they were shown the this supposed storyboard, they just said that it was revealed that a mid-credit sequence was storyboarded. So they probably didn't that even it, show that it them. it existed. Yeah, exactly.
1: Someone just said it like, well, you know.
0: Because I'm it, sure somebody asked. They would be like, um, so what did happen to Zuko's mom? And they're like, well. Because it is the only cliffhanger
1: out. left at the end. It's the only thing that doesn't have a question answered about it that is left.
0: Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I don't think it really, like, I'm glad that we do have an answer in the form of the comics, but it, it, as a kid, I didn't really mind. Like, I know a lot of people are really pissed about it now that are watching it for the first time, but like, I'm curious since I guess we can just jump right in since that was the last fun fact. um, Did that bother you at all? Or were you, you know, felt unsatisfied by that?
2: Um,
1: No, no, not, not at all. Actually, Uh, I you know, like you, I loved the way they wrapped up everything. I thought it was very satisfying that I thought it was very satisfying that Zuko's end scene was left. I, I want to say this right without a hard resolution, because I feel like it accomplished two things. Number one, it kind of showed that Zuko's story is not over, there's more to be mm-hmm. done than Zuko's story i don't know if maybe it was a thought at any point to leave the story open-ended because they would maybe make a spin-off series about zuko Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i mean he is after all the the, pretty much the second most core you know the second most important character in the show next to ang himself is i think inarguably zuko um more than any other character um And so for them to leave a story open-ended really leaves room for them to make a Zuko spin-off, series, movie, really anything they wanted, if they wanted to chase it. But at the same time, the story is also resolved in a soft resolution so well, because all of Zuko's conflicts are over. There's no more Azula to antagonize him or threaten him. There's no more going after his his father for acceptance and his honor being reclaimed. Uh, everything with him and Iroh is sorted out. Like Everything is all taken care of and wrapped up. All his internal and external conflicts, which have been raging since the very first, you know, first episode of the show... They're all done. And so we don't have to worry about our boy anymore. And this is more or less like the cherry on top of the cake. We we we, he we know that if his mother's alive, he's going to find her, you know? So it's more or less like it kind of erases that afterthought to Zuko's happy ending of being like, Oh, but he never did find out what happened to his mother. You know, it it saves us from Mm -hmm. like that potential sour spot in his ending. But it doesn't need to be pursued all the way to does he find her, is she alive? Like it's too much of a story to open up at that point
0: exactly and that's like pretty much verbatim what i was thinking even as a kid i was like oh yeah that's right like his mom is still alive and i'm sure he would want to find her but like that's that's all we needed just that confirmation that that is something that they acknowledge and then would get resolved in the comics (laughs) but um but although I did I did read something, I don't know if this is true or not, but I did want to bring it up since we're talking about it, that I believe that they wanted to do a fourth season of Avatar because there's four seasons of Legend of Korra um, and they wanted to do a fourth season that does explore, you know, what basically what they do in the comics with finding the search for Ursa mm-hmm. and, you know, Zuko and a, a potential redemption arc for Azula. And there was a lot that was going to go into it, but they ultimately decided to either not do it because they just wanted a break because they just finished the show or that Nick wasn't willing to pony up the money or whatever the case may be. But that was in the cards at one point. Um, And then they just ultimately were like, you know what, let's just do it in a comic. Like, you know, people can pick up this comic and read and that spun a whole bunch of comics from that just one, you know, story. And so, yeah. And so, very fascinating i'm glad
1: glad they didn't greenlight a a season four because i mean this the story's overarching plot of the threat Mm. in the form of the fire nation and the fire lord and and it all begins with with that arc and then gets to the end to pursue it beyond the climax and beyond the resolution we've already reached to chase a not even secondary but arguably tertiary you know conflict and goal I
2: don't
1: know just kind of makes it seem like it would kind of drag on like you know how can you top what you've already done is isn't the point in that to build you know on the previous finale is like what would they even do for the finale who who are we going to have that's a bigger and badder villain than the Fire Lord to like fight next you know
0: Right. Yeah, I I could see it being a movie. And there actually is going to be a Zuko movie um, from Avatar Studios. And I think it's like 2025. Like it's it's a hot minute away. But um, we don't know any specifics about the movie other than it will focus on Zuko. So it very well could be. An animated movie based off the comic for the search for Ursa. Like I would love that personally. It, it could um, be.
1: I had heard in the in the announcement, and I'm not saying anything that I know anything officially, obviously, or that even the information given or rumored, whatever it is, to be true. Yeah. Um, but I heard that the Zuko movie that's being talked about is supposedly a prequel. That it's like
2: Is it? That's
1: what I'd heard. Now I mean, either I heard wrong or they're reporting wrong uh i heard that it was going to be a prequel <laughs> to like stuff happening before the last year vendor not after
0: hmm. that just seems like a wasted opportunity though like why not just yeah. take something that you know i, I don't know i agree <laughs> with no i agree so i agree with,
1: i agree yeah. with you i mean i'm just saying what i heard but i totally agree with mm-hmm. you if they were going to do anything we don't need to know what happened before with zuko why what do we need to know yeah, more about gotten... this tortured 13 year old's life? Like,
2: yeah,
0: we've gotten enough context of his how fucked up his childhood was. Like, we don't need any more,
1: <laughs> right? Like, what, why do we need, are we, do we just really, really badly want like even more young Azula? Like, come on now, we don't need an actual psychopathic, you know, 11 year old. We don't, we don't need that,
2: right?
0: Um, so I guess now we can get to the actual like talking about the the show or the finale um so what was the first thing that you wanted to talk about on your list
1: so kind of climbing into you know the entire long arc of of Sazan's comet without telling retelling the whole story beat by beat i think the most important game changer in the whole thing for me was uh very early on in the first episode where it's revealed by Azuko what fire lord ozai's actual plan is and why they can't wait until after the comet that he's going to use Mm -hmm. the power of the comet to basically commit genocide on all of the nations of the world i mean primarily the earth kingdom but it's because the earth kingdom is like their main antagonist i mean the north and Mm -hmm. south poles like just melt them they'll be fine but like you know takes care of itself but like he's already eliminated the air nomads just wiped mm-hmm. him out pretty much entirely um but i mean it is essentially the entire world and that's the huge game changer and i really really liked how they tied that back to that whole meeting that there was that whole stink mm-hmm. about where zuko thought he wasn't invited and as he was like well of course you are and that whole big thing right because we talked about that we talked about those scenes with him and azula and how messed up they were but so You know, it's he just kind of goes to the meeting and then nothing is said about it. He just kind of walks out. And the emphasis is that Mm -hmm. he was invited, that he was accepted after all, that he sat at his father's right hand and everything. But then they went back to it. and They're like, let me tell you what was talked about at the meeting in order to drive forward why he has to be stopped now. Right. And that's wild.
0: Yeah, it's funny because like, I, I don't even know how I didn't like connect this, but it wasn't until this most recent rewatching today that I did that I was like, wait a minute, is this that same meeting that like he was bitching about to May? Like what? And then I, and I was like checking. Cause he said before, like the day before the, the not the comet, but the uh, invasion, um, the day of black sun. And I was like, yeah, I think the timeline checks out. I think that that was the same meeting that he went to. And it just, for some reason it didn't click until just now, but um, again, I just love that that tying everything together. Um, and so, yeah, and as a kid, I'm watching this and I was just as shocked as Zuko was, like straight up when they were having like that beach party on Ember Island And I'm like, shouldn't you guys be, like, training or something? (laughs) Like, um, and he, like, totally chews out Aang and everybody for not doing exactly that, for just lounging around having fun when the comet is only a couple days away. And then suddenly Aang is just like, yeah, well, actually, I was thinking I maybe wasn't going to fight the Fire Lord and just wait until the comet was over because I'm not ready. And I'm like ang
1: procrastinator I,
0: i'm like hey what do you be <laughs> like what you didn't think to tell him this like first of all that's stupid no but also why would you not tell zuko that like and so i was like totally on zuko side. So he deserved to be almost burned alive for that um
1: but i thought you know, he was gonna was, burn the whole house down too there's so much fire being oh, thrown around
0: and it actually, and this is something I also noticed this time around, is that because if you remember at the end of the Western Air Temple episode, um, when Katara confronts Zuko and she's like, you know, if you try to hurt Aang, I'll basically kill you. And it's at this point, you know, he's just nearly burned their house down with Aang inside. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't try to kill him, she doesn't try to threaten him. Like she trusts him enough now to know that something is wrong something is not right um he wouldn't be doing this for nothing or he hasn't flown off the handle or mm-hmm. whatever um so that's just a nice little detail i noticed or Osaka,
1: or um, so put it he he ruined the he ruined he blasted, he blasted the sand sculpture <laughs> i made for suki oh and he's trying to kill aang oh
0: and he's Right. Oh, and he's attacking gang. <laughs> um, yes. I love that joke of like Sokka's art skills continuing to be terrible. It's so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> artist, he is not. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, yeah, that was crazy to me that. And then hearing the plan and like kind of how, in a way, Zuko contributed to it unknowingly, like, you know, wanting to burn their hope to the ground. Like, that came from Zuko saying that, yeah, the earthbenders are incredibly strong people. Like as long as they have hope they'll survive anything basically. Um, And then, you know, they just take that from there and they're like, yeah, no, we'll just burn everything that they have to the ground and just start over. And Zuko doesn't speak out. And that's like a huge regret of his that he didn't speak out because I think he's traumatized by the last time he spoke out in a general war meeting. Um, So it makes sense that he wouldn't, but it, You know, I don't know how it would have helped anything. He probably would just been, yeah, roasted right there on the spot. Exactly. It's the same um, thing I was
1: thinking. It was like, I regret not saying anything. It's like, dude, by not saying anything, you overheard everything and then lived to come tell us. Otherwise, no one would have any idea.
0: Exactly. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of not good for Team (laughs) Avatar to have to deal with that and come to that realization
1: yeah no the the as long as as long as we're touching on the whole plan leading up to the comet itself you know the comet's arrival is horrifying (laughs) to say the least
0: it's so visually beautiful though like yeah it's really scary but it's so pretty
1: well i love that the comet the way it's depicted obviously nothing like a real world comet in any mm. way, shape, or form, as we've said before, in the first right. place, real world comets are giant balls of ice. They're not flaming, <laughs> not giant, they're not giant the stars. They're not fireballs streaking through space. Um, mm. But I love that that's what it is in the world of Avatar. And I love what's horrifying about it is that it's flying through the sky but not through the sky like we see things in space through the sky it is literally in the atmosphere it is cutting through the clouds it's literally this massive fireball not even you know 20,000 feet off the ground just tearing through the sky and then it's off on its way and I'm like <gasps> it's hard turning the sky like
0: a blood red it's so cool
1: It's yeah though no, the whole sky is red there's just like the whole you just see it streaking through the sky and everything like it's it's visually stunning on every level But boy, is it
0: terrifying. Yeah. That is not something you would want to see in the real world.
1: And the fact that literally every single firebender, which we've seen the entire time, they're all like poof, 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 little fireballs through the air, like basketball Mm -hmm. size. And every single one of them now, when they put out their hand, is throwing just this wall of flame. Just
0: this
1: this gigantic, just kamehameha of fire. And I'm just... (laughs)
0: Yeah, the most like amateur firebender looks suddenly like a master yeah. because of just how much power the comet gives them.
1: And of course all Which the fire, really scary. all the master firebenders are everything from like fire breathing Godzilla monsters to like jet engines now. It's,
2: it's
0: right. And this this is something I also I know it's a lot of things in this most recently <laughs> watched. Um but this actually was something that I I'm such a dumbass. I said in the Boiling Rock episode I think I said something along the lines of, like, I believe that Azula is the only one that uses, like, jet propulsion firebending. And then I, I've i seen this finale about a million times, and two people aside from Azula use the jet propulsion. It's Zhongjong and Ozai. I like, know. As soon as I saw
1: them, I was like, but wait a minute. I thought a man said. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, dumbass. Wow. <laughs> I,
1: I have been misguided. <laughs> i lied you're you're like standing there for me like i have failed you anakin i have failed you i
0: should have known that there are more firebenders using jet (laughs) propulsion
1: i know there's things about blast airbender (laughs) that Amanda's not telling me
2: (laughs) i see through
1: the lies of the podcast
2: oh god um
0: so yeah that was my mistake my bad um but yeah so
1: One of the, and I was waiting for when and how it was going to happen because this whole White Lotus thing had been teased for so long. I remember one of the first things I did when I sat down to watch the finale was I I sat down, I pulled my blanket up on my lap, I had my water, and I just had her going, All right, if I don't see the White Lotus somewhere in this finale, I swear to you, like if they just dropped it somehow, some way or if it was just like a real quick segue to like get Iroh back in the picture and they never talked about it again. I was going to be so mad.
0: Oh yeah. No, they, they fully, they fully explain it and we get to see it in action and it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, when what's so cool about it is that it's not it's it's so many people that you would have no idea, as any, you know, secret society of old people should be, is that it has people in it that you have no idea that they would be in it. I mean, yeah. Iroh is in there, sure. And Zhang Zhang, okay, sure, someone else from the Fire Nation. But Master, Master Paku?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and and
1: and Bo- and Boomy and 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 what's his name again? The water bender.
0: Uh, are you talking about Master Piandow?
1: Oh no, he's a er, he's an earthbender
0: No, no, no he's wait, a non bender. No,
1: well, what? Oh, okay, all right. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. I was I was Sokka's trying to master, fit each of them. Yeah. I was trying to fit each one of them. I forgot who, where he was from. Right, Sokka's master. Um. Yeah, but like you see, Pian Dao and Zhang Zhang, Paku and Boomy, and and they're all the old masters, as the title of the episode foretold. But that they're all in the White Lotus, and it's it's wild because especially for somebody like Paku. Because mm-hmm. Bumi Yesher, yeah, sure. he is like, you know, the ruler of his city, and Zhang, Zhang is this reclusive master, and Pian Dao is this swordsman that's just kind of away from everything. But Paku was literally in the war. He literally mm-hmm. defended the North Pole from the Fire Nation. Everyone else had this very passive, kind of pulled away from the actual conflict role which kind of befit their role in the white lotus that it was you know a place where representatives from all the nations could meet together and talk and Mm -hmm. do what they do you know irrespective of the relations between their nations but for baku to also Mm -hmm. be participating in the war at the same time is like oh that's kind of a blurry line right there
0: right yeah no i i love the idea of like the the order of the white lotus kind of transcending nations and the divisions that you know because it's as the swamp bender said um you know the guru in the swamp like the the idea of separation is an illusion like the separation of the four elements is an illusion like so i love that the order of the white lotus really takes that to heart and doesn't (laughs) doesn't see um what would it be called bending or they don't see the they're bending
1: blind is that what you're trying to say
0: yes yes there you go um or bending and non-bender blind or whatever Um, element blind right exactly um and the fact that it is a bunch of old men like i love the the line that boomy says all old people know each other don't you know that? (laughs) like it's so true i don't know how they all know each other i swear i would go to my grandma's um like i guess active living community is what they like to call it but it's basically a really fancy place for old people to live and they all knew everybody knows everybody up in there and i'm like this place is gigantic this is like 50 like i don't know miles worth of housing and everybody knows everybody um so i find that line very funny um but uh, yeah, so they're all like holed up in Bossing say, like trying to basically take that that's their mission is to take back the city um, from the Fire Nation. And Iroh's leading the charge with that. And so, you know, once once the gang finally finds iroh and the white lotus um
1: which they which they do with the reintroduction of uh, an amazing yeah. return of a character which is uh june and her whatever it's called the mold creature that can smell people the sheer shoe yes the smell yes. the, the mole smelly creature i like i like sock and naming stuff what if we call it the mole smelly creature
0: That's super smart <laughs> Um, yes, no, I that was a huge surprise for me watching the finale as a kid because I absolutely love June um as a character and I love the sheer shoe creature. And so to see her again, like even just in a small bit, like I was like, yes, (laughs) this is like how you tie things together. And um yeah, I love (laughs) this her dialogue is so funny. Um when she's like she sees Zuko and Katara together, she's like, Oh, I see you've made up with your (laughs) girlfriend. They immediately get defensive, <laughs> not my girlfriend. Um, so funny. And where's your creepy grandpa? <laughs> my <laughs> uncle she is
2: so okay. Funny. can i
1: can i can I jump in then on something as long as you kind of touched on it briefly? So we've been zatara shipping for a while
2: here. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I gotta tell you something. I feel like the finale kind of resolved it for me.
0: What do you mean by that? Like
1: <laughs> I feel like it kind of everything with Zatara and everything they went through and all the and the even the little from the little jabs like this the like oh it's your you know meet up with your girlfriend and they got get all really defensive. She's not my girlfriend and everything. I feel like it resolved for me how the two of them are not a couple. <laughs>
0: You've made your peace with the fact that they're not a
1: couple is what you're saying. <laughs> I did. I did. I made my peace with it. Well, because and fast forwarding through what they go through, um, she accompanies him back to the capital of the Fire Nation, and she's there for the Agni Kai with with Azula, which we'll which we'll get into. Um but you know what they go through there where he jumps in the way to save her. From Azula's lightning attack. And then she sort of repays him, I guess you kind of say it, by like defeating Azula for him, you know? And healing him. And healing him. I feel like their entire interaction there showed that what their relationship ultimately formed into was an incredibly strong... I don't even know what I want to call it because it's not like a, it's not like a friendship it's more than friendship but there's just a bond between the two of them
0: they have each other's I, backs they trust each other they, implicitly
1: Yes yes there is just there's a real guardianship of protection mm-hmm. and value in each other that I do want to kind of call it a duality that, you know, he is fire and she's water and a balance that they have that they connect. And the, but the the two of them are a complete package, but they're not destined to be anything more than that, but they value each other so incredibly highly. And there's so much respect between them. And just the fact that either one of them would really like Zuko would give his life trying to protect her. And she pretty much gave her, almost gave her life trying to defeat Azula. But you know, it's basically protecting him because she Mm -hmm. would have killed Zuko if, if she, if uh, Katara hadn't intervened.
0: Right. But it it just
1: drew it to such a nice close for me that like, okay, I see they're not really meant to be. I see what they have. It's not love, but it is amazing in its own right. And full respect, full respect.
0: Yeah, no, I think that, like, I'm always going to be a bitter fangirl that I never got my Zatara ship made into canon. But I think with what they do end up doing with their relationship, as we just, you know, went into depth about, is so beautiful. And honestly, much more complex than just them being boyfriend and girlfriend or getting together at the end. Like, it's so, you know, Ang and Katara is very, like easy it's a very easy thing to grasp you know they are in young love and then that transcends into you know an actual relationship by the end Um, but the relationship between Zuko and Katara is so much more nuanced and so much more just interesting which is why I like them so much in theory as a couple like the idea of them being a couple but you know if they weren't going to do that they weren't going to make it canon then this is like the next best thing honestly that they do they would be willing to metaphorically take a bullet for each other. And, you know, Zuko specifically asked for her to come with him to, you know, defeat Azula, like, you know, because he, you know, they fight so well together. They, and they want to, you know, protect each other. And it's, it's very, very interesting seeing where we started to where we are now. Like,
1: Aang and Katara would fight anybody for each other. Right. But Zuko and Katara would die for each other.
0: Right and kill for each other <laughs>
1: Cause yeah yeah they
0: literally almost like straight up from murking the guy that killed katara's mom to zula i'm like man these two are ride or die for each other like even if it's not mm-hmm. romantically <laughs> and i love it yeah
1: and i i really do love that whole thing and that's why i said that like they 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 could be a great romance but they are so much more than a great romance. Whereas Katara and Aang, their connection is basically that. It's basically romantic. Mm-hmm. It's puppy love, but it's romantic. And I don't want to say it's nothing more than romantic because it is. They have a great friendship and everything. And, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of great, wholesome things to their connection. But like you say, you know, Zuko and Katara is so much more complicated. It's so much more than romance. It could be anything, but I almost feel like the, the, it, they the, the two of them having a romance almost wouldn't do justice because it would reduce such a big complicated thing into something so simple so i'm again it, it would work great no matter which way they went with it but I am really happy with it. This is a big thing for me, okay? Like, I rode this roller coaster for three seasons of this show wanting something I knew I was never going to have.
0: I know. Oh, well, now welcome to the club. Like, I genuinely, Oof. like, I had up until literally the last scene of them together um, when she heals him, which the Rise of Skywalker totally didn't copy this with Ray healing Kylo. Um, oh, yeah,
1: not at all.
0: Not at all, um, but I held out hope till the very last minute that when they were like, when she was leaning down to like help push him up, that she was going in for a kiss. I was like, no, oh, it's right there. <laughs> no, man, no. <laughs> i i was so blinded oh my god um <laughs>
1: amanda wait, waiting yeah. to see holding her breath to the last second hoping that that lean over was going to be a kiss there you are you're just like i hurt myself today <laughs> Literally, you did it to that yourself it amanda. Was
2: bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally, get
1: I'm it out so... get it out this is your forum this is your uh, open mic just get the pain out
0: as we were just praising how good the relationship is i'm just like oh but they didn't kiss they didn't get together at the end so, yeah. um yeah no but i i do think that their connection is beautiful and it it's one of the strongest connections in the entire show i think um honestly right up there with zuko and sokka um i think those are probably my two favorite like Of course, they both have Zuko in it, but um, I think that those are probably my two favorite just, like, interesting relationships in the show is, you know, the friendship between Zuko and Sokka and Zuko and Katara. Um, But uh, anyway, so where where did we leave off I've lost
1: it up <laughs> this oh, oh no oh no we're 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 good we're on track no matter what i knew totally. this whole thing was going to be like chasing cats around trying to herd them in this final podcast we all know this um right. but you know we had touched on um the agnikai kai between between zuko and azula and mm-hmm. you know and that is a big part of a multi-headed finale because the he mul- has w- the Agni Kai which I do want to stay on um, mm-hmm. and talk about it because I can't hold back on it anymore we're already wanting to talk about Zuko we've already talked a bit about the the Agni Kai and the fun facts uh, and the music that it had I mean Azula is losing.
2: Yeah, I told because you. Because
1: Fire Lord Ozai declares himself the Phoenix King in the most megalomaniacal move ever.
0: He gives the Ember Island play version of himself a run for his money with how theatrical he is.
1: <laughs> yes. And then he names. We have done
2: it. <laughs> and,
1: yes. what 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 does the what does the actress azula come in and say like that really wooden line
0: father the avatar is here he's trying to destroy you
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh so funny
1: by contrast i have to tell you i don't think that the the voice actress for azula that that she does a finer job with azula than in the finale the descent into just absolute just self-destruction from the paranoia that no she can't trust anybody so she just banishes anybody she even slightly fears Mm -hmm. which is interesting for somebody who commands people by fear
0: yeah i well i don't even know if it's really fear i think it's just more like she has so little trust in anybody like everybody surrounding her okay, but that she on, but thinks everyone that, but, is out to get her
1: but isn't that fear isn't that just fear though uh,
0: i mean i guess yes i don't know
1: she's living in fear she doesn't She's. she doesn't have the security of anybody that she even thinks remotely could be used against her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's even like, she even says something that's so out of character. And granted, you could almost say that she was just coming up with a, an excuse to to get rid of them. But she even dismisses the what are they call the dialee?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She even dismisses them because she's like, what if an assassin came in here when I was alone? And we're like Uh, Azula, are you nuts? You know you can like solo like fifty guys all by yourself, and you're like, oh, what if an assassin came in here? He'd be gone before you guys even showed up. Finding excuses, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, are you really that paranoid? Like, Uh,
0: yeah, really? This girl has lost everything basically that matters to her um, by this point, and like I said, with the boiling rock, losing May and Tai Lee, the only two friends quote unquote that she had like that was really the tipping point and like it just she just spiraled from there um and yeah i absolutely love like gray delisle who's the voice actress um Mm -hmm. she is so phenomenal in these last four episodes and um i know a lot of people point to her final final scene where she's you know sobbing and screaming and like you know after she's been defeated by katara and that is heart-wrenching um but honestly i find that when she's talking to the mirror to ursa yes. in the mirror that yes. is some of the best like yes it's so good and did
1: we, did we just become best friends
0: yep <laughs> yes
1: because i'm so happy you said that i was holding my breath like, please don't see any other scene please don't see any other scene
0: yes no that that scene is very haunting and it's so it's so brief but it's like completely shows just how shattered her mind is at this point that she is literally hallucinating and hearing things and just so paranoid and like in her own head about everything that yeah, she can't tell what's real and what's not anymore. Like it's so disturbing. Um and just getting that confirmation that I think she's been wanting to hear for since her mom left that she actually was loved and you know her mom did care about her. But like that's at this point that's like the last thing she needs or she wants to hear. She needs to hear it, but she doesn't want to hear it because she has this idea in her mind that you know everybody's against me nobody loves me nobody cares about me I'm on my own and then to have this hallucination of Ursa come to her and just be like no I don't fear you I love you I always have like that's what breaks her she literally starts sobbing and she breaks the mirror and just like falls to her knees crying and I'm like that's so fucking sad like she is honestly so tragic in this four-part finale
1: See, here, because here is my sort of armchair psychologist view <laughs> and just character assessment on Azula's world.
2: Mm-hmm. Not even
1: from a, oh, what an interesting character, let me talk about her as a writer, but let me talk about her as a person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, I feel, and one of the reasons why I emphasized a few minutes ago why I think what she's really collapsing into is her own fear caving in on her is because fear is an ongoing theme in azula's life Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because as addressed when she talks to her hallucination of her mother in the mirror that she's like you were afraid of me you thought i was a monster Mm
2: -hmm.
1: her entire perception of her parents value system the way they treated her was based on fear her mother she views her mother as being afraid of her and that's the reason why she was alienated from her mother's love but her father found the fact that she was so fearsome that other people feared azula found it very useful because Mm -hmm. he rules with fear and so the parent that accepted her not only used fear to control other people but fear is what alienated her mother from her Mm -hmm. and so she grew up in this idea that the only control factor in her life is fear. Either other people stay away from you and it's a bad thing because they're afraid of you or they admire you. And the, and don't forget what May said to her. I love Zuko more than I fear you. Their relationship was built on fear. Her friend, Even her friendships are built on fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the way I see it is that her her control, her ability to control other people's fear of her, which was what was shattered when she lost control of Mei and Tai Lee, all of a sudden she's no longer the master over other people's fear of her.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: as like you say, it's so closely intertwined with her trust. She trusted them and that trust was broken. The fear wasn't enough to hold people in line. And so if the fear couldn't hold her closest and longest friends in line, how could it hold her servants in line? How could it Mm -hmm. hold the Dai in line? How could it hold the Fire Nation in line? She doesn't know how to rule with any sort of authority. She doesn't know how to command people's respect. We see her in interpersonal situations, and she's awkward and bumbling, and, and, and the only way she regains control of those situations is putting fear into people because mm-hmm. she's so intense that she frightens them or she just decides to go crazy it's like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna break everything in the place and burn it all down right and that's when you see her come back into command of a situation she's only feels safe when other people are intimidated by her and so you see that all collapsing really fast and so my thought about her collapsing into madness is that she's lost control of it and ultimately it's her own fear something that has ruled every aspect of her life and and controlled and and altered every relationship people have with her is now something completely out of her control Mm -hmm. and remember how zuko lost control of his firebending when he wasn't focused because he didn't have firm purpose right i think the reason why she was weak and why she was able to fight pretty much at an equal level with zuko um while she was you know in a weakened and unstable state was because i think she lost her sense of purpose
0: yeah and that just i mean all of what you just said is just proof of how well written the character is and just how
1: consistency
0: yeah and how complex she is like and this is something that i guess since we're talking about her um we'll talk more in depth but you know, this is something that has been, again, sort of a debated thing in the Avatar fandom for years is, does Azula deserve redemption? Like, do you think she could be rehabilitated, redeemed? Or do you think that like her being so mentally unstable and literally trying to kill her brother and Katara, along with all the other war crimes that she's committed, like, do you think that there is room in a story for redemption for her or is she too far gone at this point
1: let me let me say it to you like this Mm -hmm. here is here is where i stand and i don't want to make this a definitive because i'm going to assess this on a very what what would put this on very tricky ground And and i'm going to address this from the issue of of mental health Mm-hmm. And because in mental health we want to kind of divorce the issue, at least partially, from moral standing, we don't want to say that anybody who suffers from any sort of condition is, is too far gone. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let me say this is not a conclusion, but here is why it's a difficult issue. Because Azula is a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> she is. She's a psychopath with antisocial tendencies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: psychologically. And that makes it very difficult for her to function just in a healthy way, have healthy friendships, have healthy relationships. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
1: it's not just a matter of is she a good person, is she a bad person, it's the fact that I don't think she's capable of forming those healthy relationships due to her psychological profile. I think it's not just a matter of she's a cruel person who's done evil things, who is malevolent and sadistic, and does she deserve redemption? Well lots of people don't reserve, deserve redemption you know deserve mm-hmm. is kind of a loaded term you know zuko had a lot of anger issues but zuko had a little bit more of a nurtured sociopathy from a from a psychological standpoint mm-hmm. uh, as they say the sociopathy is more of um somebody who's reactive, somebody with a short fuse, somebody who can't stop their urges, who, if you get them angry, they'll punch you or they'll punch a wall or they'll break something because they just they have no control over their emotions, like Zuko for the mm-hmm. longest time. But Zuko was able to be rehabilitated, he was able to heal because it's more of a nurture thing. Azula? Azula, it's kind of nature. She's kind of mm-hmm. always been this way. And so the entire issue of could she be redeemed is it even possible for her to function and act like a normal person and be decent and not plot to kill people in their sleep just for the fun of it mm-hmm. and that's really my answer on that one that's my standpoint. so
0: that's a no <laughs>
1: probably no probably no in her case
0: yeah and honestly i'm right there with you because like i adore azula as a character but when you really look at not just everything that she's done but how she was raised i mean even as a small kid you know 7 8 years old she was displaying the same kind of as you said psychopathic tendencies as she was in her teenage years so this clearly is something that has been happening or been going on with her for a long time if not her entire life um and you know it's tragic in a way that yeah this poor 14 year old girl is so mentally messed up and you know probably both nurture and um uh, nature and nurture a bit of both
2: mm-hmm. but
0: you know and i'm not saying that like you know they should kill azula which they wouldn't do anyway but like you know someone like fire lord ozai I wouldn't be, and we'll talk about this, but I wouldn't be mad if Aang had just straight up murked his ass. I would have actually been very happy, <laughs> but <laughs> no,
1: nobody would have cared. Nobody but Aang in the world would have cared if, if exactly. he just curb stomped Ozai. Like literally, I wish at the same time.
0: I wish he would have. Oh my god. Yeah. But with Azula, I and I think that the route that they take with her in the comics is actually very good because she is part of the search for Ursa. Um, mm-hmm. but they basically have her locked up so much so that they have to restrain her in a, a straitjacket because she, she can still bend like no one has removed her bending. So, um, and she does not comply. Like when Zuko takes her along to find Ursa, she is not cooperative at all. And that just shows that, yeah. I don't know that this is that it's not even that I want her to be redeemed. It's just, I don't think it's possible.
1: Exactly. I think that
0: she is too far gone, honestly. And it probably, honestly, she probably begs for death because she just can't function in a normal, healthy society um, that Zuko and Aang are trying to build after the, you know, the events of Sosan's Comet. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really difficult thing to talk about, but it's like, again, that just shows how well-written the character is that you can have such complex thoughts about like, well, you know, like I'm all forgiven second chances, but man, she's like, she'd be spending those second chances left and right. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's so good. She's like top tier villain, just in general, not just for avatar or for, you know, animation, but just she is up there as one of the best villains ever put to screen, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so you yeah know, <laughs> the
1: the fight between her and zuko is amazing it's mm-hmm. it's tremendous in so much as it is yeah sure like the fate of the fire nation hangs in the balance this is zuko having risen to a place of peace and purpose against somebody his sister who has always lived in her shadow um and they're fighting on equal terms and we're mm-hmm. seeing it it's brilliant we see the the you know zuko's you know orange fire against her blue fire and the visual just the dance of their fight mm-hmm. is incredible as we have mentioned the music is fantastic
0: yeah it's it is like top tier avatar scenes um and it's so complex because it's it's really like a Shakespearean tragedy or something out of game of thrones, these two young siblings, you know, teenagers fighting to the death that's been building up for three seasons. And, you know, it's not, as we said, it's not this bombastic, big giant fight where, you know, the music is swelling and we're super excited when she gets, when Azula gets defeated, it's like, no, this is a tragedy. Like this, they could have worked it out if, you know, or maybe not, but, you know, you, you're really hoping that they'll come to their senses and stop fighting and just somehow work it out. But no, like they go, Azula goes for the kill shot and, you know, Zugo ends up taking it for Katara because Azula is a dirty cheat and the mm-hmm. sore loser because she i think at that point she knew that she was gonna lose so she went for can the you even,
1: can, can you even imagine me on this side when qatar just shows up at the agni Kai while zuko said that it was a one-on-one i'm just like woman get back in the house what are you doing right. yeah I, I, I fully fully expected something to happen like zuko to be like i thought i told you to stay in the house and for her to be like the house is on fire because like everything's on <laughs> <Right>. fire <laughs> the whole
0: ship everything's on fire <laughs> Um yes. yes. Um but yeah, and you've got this like incredibly slow, sad song playing over the the fight and the sound of the of the firebending is so different from what it usually is. They actually used um this is another fun fact, they used the sound of explosions for the fire. They slowed down the explosions, so that's why you get that very like different sound from what the firebending that we're used to. Um and yeah, the animation is just utterly stunning. So fluid, so beautiful. The colors, oh, Everything about it is just perfect. It's like a perfect fight scene. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, Azula, because you got to have the back and forth between, you know, oh, is Zuko going to win? Is Zuko going to win? Um, and Azula actually is knocked off of her feet. And Zuko, <laughs> what's the matter? No lightning today? Afraid I'll redirect it? Like... <laughs> Zuko, why would you do that you dumbass um
1: it's like it's like Captain America to Ultron it's like is that all you got
0: I thought that was Thor that said that I think it is right oh it's that's right
1: the, it was Thor and yeah. Captain America's one who says to me afterward you had yeah. to ask you're right literally that was
0: me I was like Zuko you dumbass um <laughs> and then yeah he had and, his Thor moment exactly and you know Azula's like oh I'll show you lightning and This is what's interesting because if you remember back in, I believe it was Bitter Work um, when, uh, not Zuko, but Iroh is explaining to Zuko how one can can conduct lightning. You have to have like basically a pure of mind and be able to separate, you know, the the jing or whatever, the energy, and that's what creates lightning. And Zula is anything but pure of mind right now. She is so, her mind is so fragmented and yet she's still able to produce a shit ton of lightning. And, you know, so that that just proves, like even in this broken mental state, how powerful she is and how like, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, supercharged she is just like Zuko is from the comet. Um, So yeah, it's, and of course, like I said, she goes for the cheap shot and she goes for Katara and Zuko just does what he does being the the hero that he is, my boy, and he jumps right Mm -hmm. in front of it and he's not able to redirect it. Um, So it passes through his heart, just like what Iroh said would happen if you don't redirect it correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's just left with a gigantic scar on his chest. Very similar to the scar on Aang's back, which I love that, you know, back and front. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of symmetry. And uh, yeah, so Katara has to fight Azula now, which is another stunning fight. You know, you got the blue water versus blue fire. And... I just i love how like i said fluid and gorgeous the animation is um and how clever katara is in this fight like luring azula closer to the water you
2: know well and because
1: it can't be it can't be a power versus power which is you know the entire tone of the whole agni kai scene shifts from a who is more powerful who's going to win now that they're on equal terms who will actually Mm -hmm. overpower each other oh look you know Zuko got a shot in on her she stumbled you know you're waiting for a slip-up in a very even match Mm -hmm. you know that Azula already outmatching Katara on so many levels of martial skill and the fact that she is such a prodigy Mm -hmm. even though you know Katara has put up a decent fight before you know, Azula's powers are 10 times what they normally are during the comet. There's no yeah. way she could overpower her.
0: Right. So she got to use her brain. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not my favorite display uh, of her power, but I think it is the most clever. Um, like I said, that she lures uh, Azula over to the water grade or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she freezes, you know, Katara freezes both of them. And she's able to create a sort of bubble around herself that she's able to, you know, move around Azula and chain her to the floor beneath them and ultimately, you know, stop her that way. Which is
1: amazing, the intricacy of that. So first of all, I remember you telling me over and over again during the podcast, all these months where you're like, Water bending is OP, and I'm like, why is water bending OP? Why in the world? Why is water bending OP? And I mean, we see all kinds of things, but it really is what really makes water bending so powerful is that the different states of water can be mm-hmm. used. Fire is still fire; it's just fire, no matter what you're doing with it. It's just fire, big fire or little fire, hot, hot fire or really hot fire, like really into you. But the fact that she can control the ice, and then i i was literally sitting there going okay what's happening here are they both frozen they're just gonna suffocate and die in the ice Is this mm-hmm. is how it goes this is how it ends is zuko gonna come over and like melt katara out so that she can actually i got you babe we're gonna, we're gonna leave azula to actually literally die is that where we're going and just have it happen off screen like jet like they just leave her in a block of ice and she'll just mm-hmm. be dead if i interpreted what i saw right what i saw was katara moving herself through the ice but in order to do that effectively she would have to pretty much be turning the ice like either sculpting the ice around herself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like literally freezing and unfreezing the ice just sculpting it to allow her to float herself through it like a ghost and i'm like what (laughs) what what am I seeing? It's, yeah. It's the the intricacy is amazing.
0: Yeah. See, I always saw it as, and I mean maybe that is what it is, but the way I interpret it is that she melts the ice because she breathes out and suddenly it the ice turns to water. So it seems as though she melts the ice around her, and that's what allows her to move um within this giant block of ice. And um but yeah either way it's still an incredibly impressive I mean, e- yeah
1: even if she was yeah. doing it that way she, she wanted if she wanted to move to the right she'd have to melt the stuff to her right and then refreeze the stuff to her left simultaneously to move herself through it without compromising the ice cube and i'm just like
0: yeah it's it's impressive stuff she is quite a master
1: um amazing mind-blowing yes
0: and then you know when she finally frees herself and azula who's now chained to the floor um, out of the ice that's when we get the big break the mental breakdown of azula and i I remember reading somewhere that um gray delisle, the voice of Azula had said that that was the most painful thing that she had to record like when she was uh doing the finale episode when mm-hmm. she was recording the finale like she actually kind of did break down like that wasn't just her acting like she actually got incredibly emotional when doing that which is why it feels so raw. And just so real because it was like, she said it was so difficult to record Azula breaking down like that. um, Because she obviously knows the character probably as well as the writers do. And she actually is a big Azula stan. She's very much like um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen with Wanda Maximoff. Like she's like, I Mm -hmm. defend her. Like she's a child. Um, But uh, yeah, so she, she was very, very upset by it. Um, But yeah, it's incredible. And and Zuko is healed, and it's you know, then that's that's basically the end of their action scene. Um, so who do, who's which one do you want to talk about now?
2: <laughs> I
1: feel like I, in my opinion, I don't know how much there is to really say about it, but of, of course, you know, before we get into the whole thing with Ang and and Ozai, um, you know, one thing that I do want to make sure full respect to is uh taking down the zeppelins with uh sokka suki and uh and toff
2: yeah
0: once again showing sokka just a master tactician and the way that they go about that plan it's so good i love seeing taka taka wow sokka take charge
1: wow (laughs) there's a lot of slip
0: there's a lot of taco moments in this in this finale let's be honest like
1: mm-hmm. yeah there really was it's <laughs> suki it's a good thing suki isn't the jealous type she's so secure in their relationship
0: <laughs> right we love that um <laughs> but uh yeah so we get to see a lot of metal bone like a lot more metal bending than we have previously which is awesome like right down to a full iron man metal suit <laughs> From Toph. Which was
1: amazing. It was, and the best thing was it was just an adaptation of what she's done before where she covers herself in rocks like a mm-hmm. suit of armor.
0: Yep. She doesn't even leave eye holes or anything. She doesn't need them. Um, oh. And uh, so, yeah, Sokka, Suki, and Toph are all trying to take out this whole band of um, of uh, airships that are going to burn down Bossing And, man, what an amazing visual. Just when they actually start the fire bending, and we just see this just columns and columns of fire and the birds coming up from the trees and just the smoke and everything. It's such a, like, again, it's horrifying, but it's so beautiful at the same time to look at um, animation wise and uh, Toph's reaction to not seeing, but just feeling the fire is so like,
2: Where she's just like, like, that's, that's a that's, lot
0: of fire, isn't it? Yeah. Like she, just, it's so good. Um it's
1: all and it's chilling that it would come from her that there's this apocalyptic disaster happening and she can't see it and so all she can do is ask for confirmation in the most you know and i got okay and i gotta say i really feel in some ways that like during during the entire sequence of Toph and sokka uh, with against the the airships
2: mm-hmm. i was getting
1: a lot of rogue one star wars rogue one <laughs> moment hits. oh yeah i was getting toff being like like we just said that's, that's a lot of fire isn't it just like um the the blind monk in rogue one sitting on the ship mm-hmm. after the destruction of Jeddah, going you know all of it bayes tell me all of it and he's like all of it they destroyed mm-hmm. all of it and he's yeah. asking because he couldn't see it. He can't see mm-hmm. any of it happening. He can only ask for confirmation about this horrific disaster. And also the fact that they, very similar to the Hammerhead Corvette in Rogue One, turning the Star Destroyer to have it crash and collide into the other one. Toff uh, t- uh, metal bends the rudder fin of the airship to steer it into the other one. I'm just like,
0: mm-hmm. once again,
1: Star Wars taking its cues from <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs>
0: I know. I'm telling you, man, feed into each other. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really cool. And of course you got, as we already mentioned, the, the great birthday gag, uh, with the, with the fire nation soldiers hilarious. Um,
1: just the best.
0: And, but honestly, I think of the standout moment, and this is a big moment for just Sokka and Toph in general, but the standout moment is when it seems as though all hope is lost. Um, because Sokka and Toph are quite literally hanging on by a thread, and you know, Sokka's broken his leg, they're hanging off of the ship, they're about to be, you know, and he's hanging on to Toph, who can't see anything. Um, and they're about to be, you know, burnt to a crisp by these soldiers on either side of them. And this really is like a last stand kind of moment for them. And, you know, it's, (laughs) and then, you know, Sokka, he uses his boomerang on one of the soldiers and then he uses his space sword on the other and they're just left hanging there by themselves and you get that famous line you know i don't think boomerang's coming back like it's like oh my god the way i actually thought they were gonna die i shit you know i really thought that they like were gonna die i
1: I didn't know how they were gonna get out Mm -hmm. uh, also also pretty intense for him to have landed on the thing and i mean we talk about like the level of intensity for a kid's show for him to just like ah my leg and he doesn't say i broke my leg but the fact he can't get himself up, that he's stuck there, bent backward, holding on to her, and everything—I'm just like, oh, did they really just allude to the fact that he broke his leg? Is it broken? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Wow, yeah. this is intense.
0: And Toff is like slowly slipping from his hand, like he can't hold on to her much longer, and she starts crying. I think that might be the only the second time that we've seen Toff cry. Um, yeah, and it's just so intense and. Oh man, it's a great great it's, moment and
1: it's it's really the 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 emotion but like the rawness and intensity is turned up way high on like the whole battlefield there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really really good. Um but thank thankfully, you know, cuz Suki got separated from them earlier in the episode. Um she comes back around on a broken piece of another ship and saves them um which is just awesome. We love to see it. And yeah. So that's, that's basically the end of their little action scene. Um, and they're off, you know, cause Aang is over here very close by, but you know, far oh, enough. that he's... Aang. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, Aang. You oh know, boy. So I have, I have a comment. So I have a comment about something, mm-hmm. which for me is the only kind of weak point of the entire finale for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is the whole lion turtle thing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Because no, I was so, I was curious when we were going to get to that. It's
1: so out of left field, and it is. I it's the one thing that I'm going to throw shade on in the, about the finale. It is so <laughs> poorly explained.
0: Oh yeah, just sex mocking them. Much? It's not just
1: <laughs> yeah. It it is well because it leaves so many. It it poses more questions than it answers, because especially as it's revealed because we might as well just take the whole thing in summation here as Mm. it's revealed that this animal spirit guardian of some kind imparted to ang the knowledge of spirit bending Mm
2: -hmm. in
1: order to basically did he just block it like permanently or did he like remove his bending through like magical magical power
0: Well, so, (laughs) this is... It's not shoe blocking
1: in a permanent way, or is it?
0: No, no, no. So, so technically what it's called is energy bending, not spirit bending. Um, That is a different thing. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay.
1: Sorry. (laughs) That was canon.
0: That's in Legend of Korra. Um, But, uh, excuse me. So, yeah, the lion turtle basically gives him the knowledge of um, energy bending, which is the ability to take know one's bending and so because the energy or sorry the the bending is chi like that's how benders get their you know bending is through their chi and so um it is it is for energy bending a spiritual removing of one's bending chi and i agree it is the one thing because even as a kid i'm watching it i'm like i get that he took his bending but like how what (laughs) Like, what is this giant well, lion turtle? Well, see,
1: well, the whole thing about the lion turtle is that there could have been a little like for as much time as we had for all of it, there could have been some sort of like lore drop about at least connecting the lion turtle to the other animal guardians that passed on bending like the badger moles or whatever mm-hmm. with the earth bending and the dragons with the fire, etc. etc.
0: So Okay, anybody that's seen Legend of Korra knows where I'm going with it. (laughs) Um, So a couple things. Well, one... The lion turtle has actually shown up in multiple episodes of the show. This is one of those things. If you go back and rewatch it, they mention the lion turtles multiple times and you see them in the background. Like you'll see statues of them. Like I believe in the fortune teller episode, you see statues of them and they get like when the lava comes, they start burning up Um, in the library, your favorite, one of your favorite episodes. um, Mm -hmm. They actually verbally say because they're looking at the scrolls and all that. I think it's Katara. She says something about, oh, look at this lion turtle. Like they plant it, but it's so yeah. subtle that, like, and it doesn't really connect to, like you said, the spirit, not the spirit bending, but the uh, energy bending. Like like it's there, but it's not there at the same time. So.
2: Right. Like um, I
1: recognized the animal because we said the name. I was like, we've mentioned that somewhere in the series before. So I did mm-hmm. recollect at least that it had been said, but I was like,
0: yeah so so the second part of my comment was that in legend of korra in season two there is a two parter that explains basically everything about the lion turtles because there's a lot more behind them than what was shown in the finale um yeah so yes they are they are very important creatures in the world of avatar for bending um and yeah, they, they are basically, like, the original benders are the dragons, the badger moles, um, the moon and ocean, and uh, the sky bison. Those are the original benders. They're the ones that taught humans how to bend. But the lion turtles are the, are the like, they are the ones that gave humans the ability to bend, if that makes right. sense. So they yeah. didn't teach them how to learn to bend. They just gave them the ability. So that's why he's able to bestow that knowledge upon Aang of how to take it away as well
1: Um, that's nice that would have been nice to know know. even a little of before rather than explaining it not just later but in a spin-off series or sequel series or whatever you want to call it like
0: yeah like eight years later (laughs) and i think that's why
1: so so good but
0: yeah yeah no and I, i just even now like i don't and we'll we'll talk a bit more about it. But yes, I don't like the Deuce Ex Machina of the Lion Turtles. I like them in Legend of Korra because they're more explained and fleshed out, but as it as it stands on its own, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It just seems more like a oh, this is just a thing that was just like kind of a grab bag last minute. Like we gotta give them something because we can't have them kill him, like obviously. Um,
1: I know it's my <laughs> only complaint about the whole thing and it could have been solved with such an easy just lore drop just give us 30 seconds of I, it was my people that gave humans the ability to mm-hmm. bend and then show like all the guardians you know creatures with all their abilities to bend and then have like the lion turtle face appear in the center and you know right. some visual symbol of them being all connected something but so it's so, it's so weird for him to spend all this time. And especially since there's like this mysticism attached to it, where like June wasn't able to find him where she's like, he's mm-hmm. not dead. He's just gone. And like, oh, he's in the spirit world. No, he's not in the spirit world. I'm like, well, I'm not, well where
2: is he then? Where is where he? Is- it's just
1: so, when, you, when you're with a lion turtle, where are you? Are you in another dimension? Does it have a way of hiding you because it's hiding your energy? So I, like, mm-hmm. but it's hiding your scent. Like, how does all that work? Is scent actually energy? Is it? Uh, is it actually pheromones? Like, it's so many questions.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I think that because they got so many questions and like people were so confused by the lion turtles' presence in the finale um i think that that's why they were like okay we got to explain these things better like yeah. i don't even think that what they show in legend of korra was thought as the original like i think it was more of like not. not necessarily retconning but just like being like okay we gotta have like we gotta add some history to this and like make up something and make sure
1: and make sure it explains <laughs> at least most of the the reasonable <laughs> right? questions people had about that yeah but no but he's gone he's gone and it's just like <laughs> we, we can't track them sir that avatar no longer appears on our scopes impossible boy that small couldn't have a cloaking device
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right? yes sir
1: zuko demands an update on the pursuit
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god back at it again with star wars references um but yeah so i i agree i think that it's it's the weakest part for sure which is part of the reason why avatar ang is not like i think into the inferno is better than avatar ang because of that exactly um, it does bring it down just a point or two. Yeah, it's a
1: it's a big wee point in the finale.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, um those struggles um hugely with the whole reason why he goes or is kind of guided, drawn to, I guess is maybe the best way to explain it, drawn to the lion turtle to go seek it out and and, and go there. And then that's where he calls upon, you know, previous avatars, mm-hmm. uh, their spirits to speak with him, is because he's struggling with the entire like the whole of the arc of ang is that he doesn't want to kill fire lord ozai that he mm-hmm. is and we talked about this earlier we're like ang is the oh, literally the only person including you and me like ang is the only person in the world who doesn't want ozai to die because mm-hmm. of the sanctity of life he was raised with it he doesn't believe that killing him is the answer
2: mm-hmm. yeah and
1: apparently the writers heard it and were like how about a giant lion turtle to give you a fifth bending?"
0: Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I do love the fact that he had all the talks with the different avatars, especially some that we haven't really met before, um, Mm -hmm. that have been alluded to, but we've never actually talked with, um, and that they're all basically telling him the same thing. Yeah. Get over it, dude. You got to kill him. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, I love that, that they, they see the bigger picture because they have lived their lives and they have re- their own regrets about not going through with certain things that they probably should have um, and not being more active in their Avatar roles. And they don't want the same thing to happen to Aang. And so, yeah, we, we talked to Roku first, which we've seen tons of Roku. He had his own episode, which was phenomenal. Um, and then we talked to Kiyoshi, We've seen a bit of her fan favorite. But the third person that we talked to is one that you have never seen before, which is Avatar Karuk. And he is the waterbending avatar um, that was uh, the (laughs) Um, Mm pre-Kiyoshi. And he actually got alluded to um, in, I believe it was the Siege of the North, where we see Ko for the first time, the face stealer, and you see the woman's face. And that is his lover that got taken. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, ah, again, and that's why Ko has, you know, beef with the avatar, even though, you know, Aang has never done anything to him. But it was Kurok that he had beef with. Um, right. So, I, again, the, I love tying everything together. It's brilliant. Um, and then we meet an airbending uh, avatar, which is Yang Chen. And we've seen statues of her in the temples, in the air mm-hmm. temples. And, um, and, you know, she... I love her bit because she the reason Aang calls on her aside from just the fact that she he's, she's a previous life of his is that she's an airbender like she might know where he's coming from yeah, and she does she just
1: assumes that she was drawn, you know, grew grew up and was taught and was indoctrinated with the same philosophy and beliefs and values and so he's looking for validation in somebody who comes from where he comes from.
0: Right, exactly. And She does get where he's coming from, but ultimately the avatar's duty is not to oneself or to their spiritual enlightenment, but to the world. And if the world requires that you take out the person that wants to destroy the world and throw it out of, out of balance, that's what you have to do. You know, you, it's not about you. (laughs) Like get out, like get over yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love that. And it's, it's really eye-opening, I think, for Aang because like he literally just has a moment where he's like, Oh my God, I have to kill the Fire Lord. Like that's what has to happen. Um, and this is obviously before he figures out the the Lion Turtle situation, but it's a really good, you know, well, not scene because it's broken up, but you know, it's really good moments of, you know, getting wisdom from the previous avatars that have dealt with big, you know, big forces of evil just like he's trying to. Um mm-hmm. And are trying to offer their wisdom and advice, but, um, but you know, with Aang being who he is and the way that he grew up, you know, his thing as an airbender is always to evade, find a different way, and that's exactly what he ends up doing in the end. Um, yeah, you know, not not doing, excuse me, not doing what everybody wants him to do, but like taking the the path of I guess least resistance, <laughs> um, and that's very admirable. But at the same time, again, even as a kid, I was sitting there like, you should have just done it, dude. I'm sorry. Like, this guy is a monster. Like, he needs to be taken out. You really think that just taking away his bending is going to make him not a monster? Like, are you kidding me? Um, You know, if Iroh was able to break out of his cell, he's an old man. Like, I, I, oh, yeah, no, he should have been taken out. I'm sorry. (laughs) but
1: i think the show and you know we were talking in the very early on in this episode of our of our podcast um about do you think that zuko's sort of cliffhanger quote-unquote uh Mm -hmm. his open-ended story do you feel like that ending for him was satisfying well here's the value that i also find in it I think another reason why it's tacked on is not only to show there's resolution for Zuko, we're just not going to explore it all the way to its full on-screen potential of him finding his mother again. It also Mm -hmm. kind of, for people who would be like, oh, come on, what was the point in sparing this guy? It does justify it a little bit. He's alive so that Zuko can get the information from him because Mm -hmm. feasibly he's the only person who knows where Zuko's mother is. And so if he had killed him zuko would never have that closure so it does kind of impart additional value to it i still think he should have just curb stomped him and we all could have slept okay at night anyway right but but i do think on the part of the writers it is smart to have included that not only for zuko uh but to further justify to the audience why ozai is left alive
0: yeah and again it makes sense from a storytelling and a character perspective but just i don't know I would have loved for once that Aang had to make the hard decision and that like, he didn't get to take the easy, not easy, but you know what I mean? The easy way yeah. out. Um, Cause I think that that would have been a really good lesson for him. Kind of like with the revenge lesson for Katara and forgiveness and how she didn't forgive the guy. Like this would have been a good kind of lesson that he had to learn as the avatar. You can't save everybody. Like as much as you right. try, and sometimes you have to do what you have to do in order to, for the betterment of the entire world. Um, right. But again, the fact that he was able to find a workaround that I guess solves the problem. Um, I guess.
1: <laughs> Good for you, um, kid. Good for you.
0: Yeah. You made the monks proud, I guess in monk heaven, <laughs> but uh, I don't even know what the afterlife is for Avatars. <laughs> Spirit world. <laughs>
1: Well, he he gets to experience it anyway because his spirit will live on forever in the succession of avatars. Everyone else, I guess, who cares? But yeah, um, right. so he'll be happy. Um, but, but the you know, actual, oh
0: sorry, what were we gonna
1: say? I I have to I have to bring up though something I I speak of sleeping and I I couldn't sleep at, at night tonight if I didn't bring up probably my single favorite moment of the entire thing. Which admittedly is not at the end of their mm-hmm. fight, it's at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. when Fire Lord Ozai is there torching everything, and the Lion Turtle had told Aang, you know, here you know, stay here and he'll come to you. Mm-hmm. I actually, with all of the stuff going on and the massive spectacle of the Fire Nation burning everything and the Zeppelins and the what are we gonna do and Bossing Sei is being taken back, I had forgotten that Aang was there. I had mm. forgotten exactly where he was left. I was like, okay, he'll come to him. I don't know really what that means. And then when they show up on the shore, they're burning everything. That moment where just pans up and there's Aang on the rock. Like mm. my heart stopped for a full second. I was like, <gasps> he's there. And that was the moment Like the hair on my arms all stood like completely up. I had goosebumps.
0: Yes, that is a gorgeous shot. And you got the birds flying everywhere as they're trying to escape the fire. And it's, it is so gorgeous. I love it. Um,
1: Their fight is something right out of Dragon Ball Z, though, because the the epic for uh, epic fight. I could show you a picture of it between Goku and Vegeta in the, the first season of Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Is them standing in a rock field, not too unlike where they are, and each of them is standing on like a rock, looking away from each other.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, it's. Yeah, no, I, I've never seen Dragon Ball Z, but I can gather from a lot of, like, big anime action shows that this is, like, very much like a big anime action show finale. Um, but, you know what like,
1: else it reminded me of, too? And I know what? you'll agree with me on this. Wasn't there a certain Star Wars show we saw yeah, this
0: Yeah, I was going to say, did you notice?
2: <laughs> hmm
0: Literally copying. I'm like, when I first saw... Obi-Wan invaders fight on whatever planet that was and you had those giant rock columns I'm on the like, planet you, Avatar I guess are you <laughs> shitting me that is literally the exact location that Aang and Fire Lord Ozai fought like are you shitting me
1: <laughs> no, I think we could have made it better isn't it one part of their duo where Obi-Wan's like buried underneath rock if like uh-huh. they're like a blue arrow just lit up on his forehead and he just started yes.
2: levitating <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not even
0: trying to hide it anymore Star Wars <laughs> Just blatantly <laughs> ripping it off, but uh, yeah, no the the fight itself is incredible. And usually, when you've got multiple battles going on, you know, there's usually a part that's more exciting than the others. Um, and usually, funnily enough, the main battle because I would argue that this is the main battle, um, mm-hmm. but it's usually the most boring because you know how it's going to end. Like he's going to yeah, be
1: very him. predictable,
0: right? But no, this is just as, as thrilling and exciting as Azula's and uh, Zuko's confrontation and the the battleship. Um, because the animation is just top tier. The music is phenomenal. The tension is there because there's the, the back and forth between, you know, like I said, um, Ozai getting the upper hand, and getting the upper hand. You know, that chill-inducing moment early in the fight when Ozai throws the lightning at ang and he actually manages to redirect it and you think for a split second he's gonna do it because he just like he's pointing it directly at ozai the the redirected lightning and you see for a split second that ozai is like oh shit like he's actually gonna do it like he's He's just like
1: he's he's having that green goblin moment where he's like oh
0: (laughs) right like it's yeah it's so great and then you know ang being who he is he's like i can't do it and he throws the lightning in a different direction. Um, and
1: kills a bird.
2: See
0: She had just done it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's lots of great back and forth like that um, throughout the entire fight. And there's so many cool things that we've never seen Bending do before um throughout this whole fight like i love the ricocheting of the rocks like almost like bullets like a machine gun
1: yeah that was was my favorite trick he did when he went into the avatar estate was where he just crushes the box the 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 rocks he literally just he doesn't even shave them down he literally Mm -hmm. just compresses them into just the densest hardest rock you could think of and just uses it like a machine gun to just rip through all the other rocks i'm just like
0: yeah, and the sound effects, so cool. Um, the
1: sound and the music and everything is just uh, unspeakably yes. good.
0: It is. Um, and of course, been, you messaged me actually, when Aang finally went into the Avatar state for the first time in the entire season, because obviously his chakra was blocked and oh god that is such a uh, like every time i see it when it when the rock um there's like a little piece of the rock jutting out and it goes directly into his back like into the See
1: chiropractics work everyone sometimes you just need your back just pop the right way and just boom (laughs) Ugh. next time i go to my chiropractor i'm just gonna get readjusted and they're gonna be like how do you feel i'll be like i feel like i just entered the avatar state thank you for realigning my right. chakras
0: oh my gosh yes um and then yeah he he goes full avatar state and it is awesome and he grabs Ozai by the beard and just like air blasts oh. him like a hundred feet away it's just so cool the whole fight
1: is so cool but that first leg of the fight in my opinion is the best the first leg of the fight where he that like when he reaches up and grabs his beard and re- emerges out of the rock in the avatar mm-hmm. state and ozai knows he's already dead
2: he, yeah, he just right. knows
1: he's dead he's he literally is you see like any hope of walking away just completely drained out of his face it's not even like am i going to live it's like how long can i last before i die at this it's the only right. question left and then Aang just starts pulling all the elements together around mm-hmm. himself, the orbiting rocks, the swirling water, the ball of 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 air, the ring of fire, the ring of fire, the ring of fire.
0: <laughs> right. Yes. It's so cool. It is like one of the most iconic images from the show. Um and I love it so much. I have that pop actually of him in the air sphere with all the elements going around. Like it's so Do cool. You? yes <laughs> i don't know if it's no it's not back there it's it's i have like a whole shelf for everybody that doesn't know oh, right behind you have me to The show camera.
1: Me. if you have to show me <laughs> yeah
0: it's, it's even got the details of like the back uh scar and the scar on his foot and it's just like this is such no, a cool pop. does it Yes, it's so cool. Um, Anyway, I collect pops for anybody that doesn't know, Um, especially Avatar ones. They're the best. And so, yeah, it's the entire fight is incredible. And then we get he finally has uh, Fire Lord Ozai pinned down. Um, You know, he is completely at Aang's mercy. And we get that awesome Avatar voice where you can hear all the previous Avatars talking through Aang. And it's just so chill inducing. You know avatar or, um, fire lord ozai you and your forefathers have devastated the balance of this world now you shall pay the ultimate price i'm like oh shit <laughs> like and you he, he's so close to doing it and i'm like yes yes yes, yeah, do it uh, i feel like palpatine do it
2: <laughs> do it the whole audience <laughs> really? is are
1: just like do it yeah i i shouldn't i shouldn't it. <laughs>
0: that's right oh man um but uh yeah so he does stop last minute. He doesn't deal the killing blow, obviously. Um, and Ozai deserves no mercy. He straight up like tried to kill him with his back, like Ang, with his back turned, um, after showing him mercy. And so this is when we get to the the energy bending. And I gotta say, while it's visually stunning, I don't really understand why they decided to go with the the orange and blue kind of color scheme and like the consuming i think it was more just I, the visual thing so you can understand I, don't, what's happening.
1: I i i also didn't see the need for this giant false last minute like oh no but on top of this this totally new type of bending completely imparted deus ex machina Uh, And that we're explaining literally in the moment. um, There's also a chance that you might be taken over by the other person or whatever. And like you see Fire Lord Ozai's fiery energy start going into Aang and covering him. And I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) This is
0: very anime.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is totally going to happen this late in the episode. I'm sure Aang will be overpowered by Fire Lord Ozai's evil energy. But right. no, the blue light of the avatar times jumps shining through, and he gains the power of ten avatars plus two.
0: Exactly.
1: I was like, come on, man, don't do this to us. You don't need to do that.
0: <laughs> Which is funny, because like as I said, uh, energy bending is in Legend of Korra, it's expanded on, much like a lot of the different bending styles, the sub-bending. Mm-hmm. Um and it visually, it doesn't look like that. Like, it doesn't have that kind of color scheme going. So I really do think it was just a visual to help the audiences understand exactly what's happening. Um, But I'm kind of glad that they dropped it. Because like I said, it is very, it's visually stunning, but it just feels too anime, like too removed yeah. from what we've seen previously, um, visually for the bending. And so yeah, again, little thing, but You know, I like visual consistency when it comes to shows, especially a show like Avatar, which is pretty Mm -hmm. much across the board, very visually consistent. Um, That things like that kind of stick out. You're like, that doesn't look like something from Avatar. (laughs) Looks like something from Dragon Ball Z or I don't know what other big anime shows there are, but...
1: um... Literally almost any other anime.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, But uh, so, yeah. And and I love the moment where um, after he takes... Avatar, not Avatar, um, Fire Lord Ozai is bending and he just kind of goes to the ledge and he, you know, goes into the Avatar state for a moment and he brings up the water to cover the fire, you know, and it's it's just a great moment. And a, again, a very impressive display of bending that he's able to basically lift the ocean in order to, to quench the fire. And it's like the last thing he does in the battle. And I'm like, yes, this is Aang. Like he is protecting... And, um, you know, not just people, but also nature, which is something he's very passionate about. Um, And then we kind of cut to the, you know, however many weeks later, and we're at Zuko and, well, not Zuko and Aang, but Zuko's coronation as Fire Lord. And this is where I cry. (laughs) (laughs) literally every time i'm sobbing when when they get the music starts to swell and they're like zuko and ang are walking out to the you know front of the palace together and you know everybody's cheering for zuko and he's just like please the real hero is the avatar and it's just like uh, (laughs) my babies are all grown up (laughs) literal tears oh my god
1: Mine was so tainted because I kept thinking it when he said the, the real hero is back here. I got like Homelander from the boys' visor. It's like, no, no, you guys are the real heroes. <laughs> oh my
0: God. We see, <laughs> you're so weird. Um, and then we see. <laughs> Azula, not Azula, but uh, May and Tai Lee, you know, May is back with Zuko. She got out of prison thanks to her uncle yeah, pulling some strings. Yeah, because you
1: totally lied to me. You were just like were, the last, the last we see of them. I was being sarcastic. Uh, and, and I took that personally.
0: <laughs> right. So that was a fucking lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, May is back with Zuko. They can be perfectly miserable together, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the bigger surprise is that Tai Lee is now a Kyoshi Warrior, which honestly. Amazing. Yeah. Like the fact that she bonded with the Kyoshi Warriors in prison, like that they were sent to the same prison. I'm like, that is so perfect, honestly. I love that. Um, she looks so cute in the makeup
1: and she does can i can we jump in on Zuko's resolution because there's more to Zuko's uh ending than just him being mm-hmm. uh crowned the fire lord, which is of course super satisfying, something that he even you know brings before his father at the very very end that now he's the fire lord, you know mm-hmm. he restored his own honor and everything, but you know there's there's a lot to Zuko's ending. Because you know, Aang's ending is great. He defeated the Fire Lord. He's brought peace. He's gonna help Zuko. He gets the girl and everything in the mm-hmm. end. But Zuko has a lot of moving parts to his and and you know, we 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 love Zuko. We love Zuko. Aang is great, but come on now. Zuko's Zuko's the real star. Zuko's
2: here. where
1: it's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's Zuko's world. Aang's just living in it. Um and so one of the things though i had i had mentioned how i was like i'd made peace with the fact that you know they're zatara it's just huh, it's a nice idea but mm-hmm. i'm I'm okay with the fact it's not meant to be but you know what in the end scene where zuko wound up i actually made peace and actually like the fact that he ended up with May.
0: really interesting
1: and so here is why because Up until this point, I've been withholding judgment on it entirely. I've been like, eh, I don't really care for May as a character, blah, blah, blah. You know, Mm -hmm. as so much as there's other people we're talking about Zuko being with, we're shipping him with. Mm
2: -hmm. But you know what? I was also,
1: because I was holding out, I was withholding judgment on the whole thing. Part of me because I didn't know where Zuko was gonna end up. I didn't know what kind of person he was gonna end up being. If he wound up being like all frou frou Zen Zuko that he was right after his whole metamorphosis fever mm-hmm. that he was in, and he was just nice all the time, and he was, I would have been like, no, there's no way this actual cinnamon roll is going to be with somebody as like dark and and sarcastic and dry as May. That's just not a good.
2: You know, <laughs> right,
1: but but where Zuko wound up and the character he evolved into and who he is by the end of the show, I think is a really good fit, and here's why because Zuko is a person who, even to his end. And I think it's a very good satisfying end for who he wound up is he's not, he's still, he's still the same Zuko. He's Zuko. He is, he is very easily frustrated by people. He's very easily flustered. He still gets angry about things. He, you know, it's that Zuko that we said that, it, as I mentioned, after his fever, it was very weird to see him mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I hope this isn't the Zuko he's going to end up being when he's a good guy. Cause I don't like this Zuko. Right. And it's very smart that in Season 3, the ultimate, the final form of Zuko is still the Zuko that we know and love. It's Mm -hmm. just he's morally good, but he hasn't changed from who he is. The good thing about Mei is that Mei is a very good grounding force for him. She makes things less overwhelming and makes them very simple. And her Mm -hmm. demands are very simple. She's a crabby girlfriend who wants food. But, like,
2: right.
1: but she also has a very self-sacrificial attitude that she was willing to put her life on the line that her love for Zuko was more than her fear of Azula. Mm. She's someone who loves him and self-sacrificial love and that's the most dependable thing a person can have and, and best of all she loves him despite his failures she loves him despite his insecurities she loved him for who he was and she loves him for who he is now and that is a real once in a lifetime love it's one thing to love the person who you met but people change sometimes dramatically and to still love him and i would dare say love him more for who he became honestly like i'm gonna go out and say it the 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 true love story of avatar for me (laughs) really
0: wow what a 180
1: yeah like really it really is i feel very satisfied it's a very mature realistic love story as opposed to the puppy love of katara and Aang. it's a very mature like this is what makes a lasting long time relationship a forever relationship if you will
0: oh yeah and i mean i've never been against may and zuko as a couple it's just you know they were never like my top pick for best ship but you know, I think that they, like I said, they can be happily miserable together. No, um, <laughs> I think that they do they do uh, balance each other out well. And I think that everything you just said is totally true. Um, and I think it is cute. I think that the last thing that we see of them together is very cute where, you know, Zuko's struggling to put on his robe because of his injury and she just kind of walks in and helps him. And, you know, they have a nice little chat and they kiss and they're just holding each other. And it's like, yeah, okay. This isn't bad. (laughs) Like, this is cute. I like it. Um, It's a match. uh, Right. It's a match. Um, So speaking since, because I don't think that we talked about this, but this is kind of a big thing. and We would be like really bad if we didn't talk about it. Um, In terms of another relationship with Zuko, Iroh. Like we didn't get to talk about the actual like reunion between them, which has been built up for, you know, half a season by this point. Um, well, listen
1: listen we're saving we're saving we were just saving the most meaningful relationship <laughs> until the right
0: end. totally that's what it was <laughs> um yeah that scene whew, wow that's emotional shit right there
1: <laughs> yeah where he comes in and kneels in the tent and then when ira wakes up he apologizes and he just pulls him into a hug like before he could even finish talking and he just says mm-hmm you know, how can you forgive me so easily?
0: Like, I thought you were going to be furious with me. And then Ira's response is, I was never angry at you. I was scared because I thought that you'd lost your way. And
2: and he
1: found his way and he'd found it all by himself.
0: Exactly. It's, it is the most perfect reunion for this kind of like relationship, this very strained, but loving relationship that they could have possibly have done. Um, and like I swear, this is where I'm like, ugh, we, we I did a whole post about sequel trilogy, like missed potential, but this is a thing that I really wish we could have seen between Leia and Ben. Like something like along the lines of this, which we kind of got with Han, but like I want it real, like in person, yeah. Um, a reunion and a redemption of that caliber, you know, of, of Zuko and Iroh's uh reunion because yeah, it's so powerful and this is, you know, like I said, we've been building up to this kind of, you know, reunion for basically not even just half a season, but the whole season because Iro has been in prison for the first half and then he escaped and we didn't see him until now. So yeah. it's, yeah, really a whole season of basically Zuko thinking that Iroh hated him and was mad at him for what he did. Um, but no, like he he always loves Zuko and. He never, that never wavered, that never changed, um, despite what he did. And for Zuko to get that confirmation, I think it was just a huge weight lifted off of his shoulders. Um, And Dante Bosco's voice acting and Greg Baldwin's voice acting, who-
2: Beautiful. oh,
0: Like you can just hear Dante, especially Dante Bosco, um, his voice just cracking as he's trying to get the words out, the the apology. And yeah, it's, oh, it's so beautiful. So, and the music swelling is Iroh pulls him into the hug. Like it's the most like comforting thing, knowing that no matter what you do, the love of, you know, someone like Iroh will always be there. Like you could do the worst possible thing and they will still love you no matter what.
1: See, there's a, there's a big theme of forgiveness in Zuko's triumphs. There's, -hmm. there's a big theme of forgiveness. He has to be forgiven by the gang in particular, you know, Katara, most of all and then you know he needs um the forgiveness of iroh which he asks for and then he gets but you know what he doesn't even have to ask for forgiveness from may she just gives it to him because she loves him in that way and Mm -hmm. you know it's a very powerful lesson i think that zuko just as a character you know embodies which is a very essential truth which i will pass on which is that relationships especially romantic relationships in order for them to last they require a lot of forgiveness they require a lot of things but they require a lot of forgiveness if you can't forgive people for things because we're all human we're going to mess up mm-hmm. we're going to make mistakes we 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 hide things we lie we get angry all the things that just we're not perfect and that's really Mm -hmm. what i think it means for people to enter relationships acknowledging they're not perfect is that if you're going to be disappointed in yourself or think that you don't deserve love because you're not perfect well look at zuko zuko is surrounded by people who really truly love him in the end and they love him and they're able to make that love real because they forgive him
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's hard to do but it really is an essential part of the truest love is being able to set aside, you know, those things and forgive. It's very, very, very important. And I love that. I love that for Zuko. I love that
0: for our boy. I know. So good. Um, the goodest boy.
2: He is the goodest boy.
0: (laughs) He is. Um, so after the coronation, we get again, I assume another time jump, and we see the gang all in bossing say at Iro's new tea shop, which is beautiful and in the upper ring. Mm-hmm. Um and you know it's
1: Sokka creating <laughs> and... this the last supper of everyone there, you know, yes. perfect art, flawless as always, the old master.
0: Why did you draw me firebundis? <laughs> Thought it would look more exciting. <laughs> um but uh yeah, and everybody's wearing these new Earth Kingdom outfits, and I just gotta say that zuko in earth kingdom outfits is a huge weakness of mine he just looks so good at them um it's
1: just green it's just such a good color on the man
0: right brings um, out
1: brings out that fiery yellow in his eyes
0: right um and so ang kind of goes out to the balcony it's this gorgeous sunset so beautiful um and it's it's interesting to note that the show starts at sunrise with Uh, Saka and Katara, you know, going out fishing first thing in the morning, and the show ends on a sunset. Again, it's beautiful. (laughs) And the last Mm -hmm. word spoken in the entire show is perfect. Because Toph, when looking at the picture, even though she can't see it, she jokingly says, well, I think you all look perfect. And what a perfect way to the last thing for the show to say is the word perfect. Um, And so Katara joins Aang out on the balcony, you know, with the beautiful sunset in the background, and this it's I think it's great to note that they don't kiss first; they hug first, because that is ultimately, to me, what the strongest aspect of their relationship is: is their friendship first and foremost. Um, so I'm very glad that they, you know, started with a hug first and then, you know, had their kiss. But yeah, and it's a beautiful moment, and my one of my favorite pieces of music aside from the from the credit scene, which we've already talked about. Um is called The Avatars Love. And it's played multiple times throughout the show, but this is the full version of it, finally played at the end. And it's just this, I think it's called a Kalimbe or Kalambe, something like that. Um, just playing these very simple notes, but it's so beautiful to listen to and so calming and just like everything's okay. Like that's that's the kind of vibe that it gives me. Like everything, it's over, like, and everything's okay. And you know, you can move on with your life now, you can start your new life with your family, with Katara. Um, You know, you can start building a world of peace now. And then you get your big final Katang kiss and it's beautiful. And then we pan up to the sky and we got the end in Chinese calligraphy. And then that's it. And it's over. And I'm just like, could it be more perfect? Like, no,
1: Toph really put it the best way. so
0: good. So emotional.
1: No, the show has a great, a great resolution for everyone and everything. And it's, it's such a satisfying ending and it again you know it wraps up everything so so nicely it's uh it's really really great it's really great mm-hmm. the overall Sozan's comet it's such a ride um i don't know how to rate are we rating these episodes individually or overall like you kind of said that one of them was your favorite so
0: mm-hmm.
1: like do, do we want to rate them individually or like as one episode and then say what our favorite is
0: i mean let's do that because that's just easier
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so for me i think the overall rating for for the finale and i mean I'm, and when i say this i'm very heavily skewing it toward what happens to the last two episodes um the whole the whole the whole arc of the finale this four-parter is probably a it's probably a 9.8 for me it's probably a 9.8 the whole thing is is epic beyond belief incredible to watch definitely worth a rewatch. in particular the last you know last two episodes um just due to the action involved the spectacle is amazing um Mm -hmm. I really think that I, I I I really love uh moments from Avatar Aang as some of the best moments. Like him entering the Avatar state is just a, a fantastic moment. Um mm-hmm. but it's really hard for me to pin down which episode of them is my favorite. Um again, the old masters is really, really good. Um I'd probably have to say that either the old masters or avatar ang are my favorites um if not for the fact that there's again just the weak part about the whole energy bending and the lion turtle thing that's a big like fumble as far as i i Mm -hmm. think but i mean it only distracts a little bit from my overall rating um and this of course why it's not like a 10 out of 10 for me just because there's a little stumbles here and there in the in the story but overall yeah i'd say 9.8 yeah
0: i think i'm gonna agree with that um (laughs) because uh, literally it would be a 10 out of 10 if they if they just had either a explained the Lion Turtle much better and the energy bending, or they just did something different with the with the ultimate conclusion with Ozai, um, altogether. But everything else is pretty much pitch perfect for the finale. Like I really don't know if there's anything else I would change. Um, as I already said, the old map or not old master, sorry, into the inferno is my personal favorite of the four episodes, I would give that a 10 out of 10. Um, I think that that's the only episode aside from Lake Guy that I've given that ranking. So, you know, that's really good. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just absolutely love the finale. I've seen it a hundred times. And like I said, I have a nostalgic attachment to it just because I was there when it aired and it was such a monumental thing. It was the first major show that I'd ever seen the finale of like as it was airing. So, like that—that that has a very big place in my heart, um, and yeah, I don't know how what much else there is to say about it. It's just—it's so good. And again, this is one of the rare, rare times where, like, the finale is pretty much the best part of a of the show. Like, you know, yeah. that never happens nowadays. Finale's always seem to fumble nowadays um, with shows, and it's—it's it's so great to go back to a time when that wasn't the case
1: yeah i th- I think that they just like i think that a lot of shows nowadays funny as it sounds i think that it's very difficult for them to pull off a climax correctly to build up to it um the storytelling that's done nowadays is just different um i think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways they try they they don't i don't know if they're trying to subvert expectations or just do a different formula or if there's just something they're trying to go for but they don't set up a finale and and a crescendo of the story building up building up building up to a big overarching finally big blowout finale it it always just kind of comes out of left field it comes like right after the final twist of the story Mm -hmm. and then there's like boom a finale when you're not expecting it with this it's so satisfying because there's all this build up and all this anticipation and we've known virtually the entire season what was going to be coming Um, Mm -hmm. it was just a matter of what was going to happen when we got there so the twist didn't happen there wasn't a twist and then like oh now we find out who the real villain is sort of twist and now the finale suddenly happens but not in a way we expected i feel like they're trying so hard for plot twists because here we did the opposite here in a show that's you know 14 years old we're, we're we're doing the complete opposite with it we're where it's a buildup of something that's very predictable, very predictable, but it's a question the entire time of, okay, we know what we're going to do, but how, how are we going to pull mm-hmm. it off? And there's an expected way it's going to be done that is at the last minute subverted. We have a plan going in the entire time that at the last minute, it's not even that the plan doesn't work. He could have killed him at any time, but instead we choose a mm-hmm. different path and we do that at the last second. And and that's right, amazing. So, but you know, the episode itself aside, you know, having traveled this whole long journey, you know, obviously I want to thank everybody who has been you know, listening. As I said at the start of the show, everybody who's been listening this entire time, following the show, leaving us comments, um, whether it's on our personal social media or commentary on the the page uh the instagram for the podcast you know everyone's so very encouraging you know we've loved making this i've loved making this with you amanda like th- coming mm-hmm. in to do this every single week is so much fun
0: yeah i'm so glad that you decide that you want to do it with me because like it's yeah it's like the highlight of my week every every sunday <laughs> when we get to record and i get to hear your thoughts like and i love just how in depth like and how you make me like think about the show in a different way from a different perspective and like yeah it's just been so much fun because like it's one thing to talk to another fan about something that you grew up with like how we did with you know my friend the other episode but you know to have someone that's never seen the show you know like i said bring a fresh perspective to it and make me kind of reevaluate the show that i have seen a hundred times at this point it's so exciting because it's like i'm watching it for the first time with fresh eyes and it's just it's so fun so i'm so glad that we decided to do this
1: well well, because you know you as as we kind of talked about you know when you've seen something a hundred times yourself you get a little you know the swedish have a a great term for it that they use which is called home blind which is that Mm -hmm. you know it's what you live in it's what it's your environment it's what you look at as normal you've walk there a hundred times seen it a hundred times it's nothing spectacular about it strange about it or anything like that Mm -hmm. and then somebody else who's never experienced it comes in and you kind of experience it fresh you get another perspective and you know for my part you know doing the podcast is all great and fine and i love doing that but y'all i just want to extend my personal thank you to you to encourage me to watch the show and to make this a thing that we could do together because it has added a lot like personally, to my life the way that you know the marvel movies add a lot or the star wars movies add a lot and if this is something from your childhood that you know you had your entire life as reference and you sharing that with me means a lot to me personally and it has opened up a whole new you know dimension of fandom things that i'll get now memes and references and you know art from the show and and things like that, that now have personal meaning for me in my own life and so i want to thank you for that
0: oh you're welcome Get all emotional (laughs) on me so do you want to tell everybody what the plan is going forward now that we're done with avatar uh
1: yeah so tentatively um obviously we're going to be looking forward to the the sequel uh show Mm -hmm. to this the legend of korra um there's no hard timetable on it just yet because you know life happens and so we'll see how it goes um but the plan moving forward is that we're going to take a couple of months off and in 2023 uh next year we will come back to the podcast to probably begin airing episodes of us going through legend of korra probably around march probably the month of Mm -hmm. march is when we'll start airing those um so look forward to that um Mm -hmm. but no this has been a blast all all the the months that we've been going through this have been a blast avatar has truly lived up to all the hype that it is one of the greatest if not the greatest animated series put on television just uh, absolutely amazing and this has been a great ride and uh <laughs> I, I i again just want to thank everybody who's been listening and again thank you amanda this has been great and uh i i guess we'll talk to you guys in the legend of Korra.
0: Play me, oh hotman <laughs> That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff.
1: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.